Welcome, everyone, to Season 2, Episode 2 of That's What B Said, brought to you by Fansided. My apologies in advance. Brie could not make it tonight, so you are stuck with me on hosting duties. She had to, and I quote, wash my hair. <laughs> so bear with me. I'm Brittany Mollis at Bird's Eye View, and I'm joined by the wonderful Meredith Kane at MK on Sports. How are we feeling tonight, Meredith? Oh, we're feeling good. I washed my hair too, but it was this morning. So. I washed my hair too. I didn't dry it though, so it looked. You ever like wash your hair and not dry it? Oh, you have curly hair. I have though, curly so you hair. Yeah, you yeah, don't no. have this problem. I look like a homeless person right now. It's just, it's a nightmare. The I'm last, so glad we don't do like the the video thing now. Yeah, the last time my hair dryer was used was before the pandemic when you and Angie came for a weekend up to Cleveland and you oh guys were staying gosh. here and Angie needed to to use my hair dryer. It's the last time my hair dryer was touched. And we drank all the peanut butter whiskey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, so we're going to spend tonight previewing the Browns and Ravens Monday night matchup. Woo! And we've brought in some help to make it happen. So we're very excited to announce our guest for tonight, Miss Lindsay O.K. Lindsay O.K., how are you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. I'm so excited that you guys picked me. Of course. We wanted to do this early, like before the first game of the year. But of course, you were like all booked up already because I waited till last minute. Um, but thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. Like I said, this is like the first all-girl, I think, podcast that I've done. So That warms my heart. That's exciting. And Brittany had to out me on Twitter for having a girl crush. <laughs> she, she does. What I told her uh, before week one is like, I'm trying to get Lindsay okay on the show. And she's like, oh my gosh, that's my girl crush. <laughs> Starstruck. <laughs> but like, to be fair, it's like a level, it's like a level two girl crush. So it's like, well, whatever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That was like a backhanded compliment. No, okay. Have you guys heard? Okay, before we get into this, we like we have to talk about. I think this was like a Jenna Marbles thing from like ten years ago. But there's like four levels of girl crushes. Level one is I'm jealous of you and I hate you, but like I actually want to be you, and that's why it's like level one. And then like level two is you're really cool. Like I want to kick it with you. Level three is I want to be your best friend, and then level four is like okay, I think I actually have romantic feelings for you. Like Ooh. those are so I'm like between a level two and a level three. Who's a level four? For a girl crush? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. I might have to think about that one for a little bit. Mine would be Beyonce. I have oh, actual like one. romantic feelings for Beyonce. I, yeah, I don't know if I I don't know if there's like a uh, a woman out there that I have like a level four girl crush on, but maybe someday. Hmm. Dream big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we get into the matchup, we want to ask you a few questions about you, Lindsay, if that's okay okay i just realized okay if that's okay Lindsay. okay (laughs) all right the see this is what happens when they leave me to host things i'm usually just there to like make weird comments and you know make myself laugh here i am thanks brie all right (laughs) so one thing that we really admire about you is that you're doing your own thing on your own time you've kind of created your very own independent sports venture so what has your professional journey been like? That's a loaded question. But <laughs> first of all, I just want to say, like, I didn't, I didn't, like, go to school to do this. I didn't have the, this wasn't, this wasn't the answer when people asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, it kind of fell into my lap. So I started as an intern. I interned for Ed Reed, actually, and it was going from a fan to working with your favorite player of all time was such like a beyond incredible experience, but it was also, I was able to see what the players were like behind the scenes, um, got a really cool, I guess the word I'm looking for is just like a really good like connection from like behind the other side of the team from what you normally see on TV. So from there, I just kind of started networking media guys, um, players. I did a lot of stuff for his foundation. So I networked a lot through that. And then this just kind of fell into my lap. So um, I went on my own because I, and I'm sure you guys can relate. We talked about a little about this before we started recording, but um, I was sick of being like the token girl and sick of being told what to say. And at the end of the day, I just wanted my own name on my content. And um, I didn't want to be 
told what I could and couldn't say. I didn't want like my personality edited out of all of my articles, which is, which is what ended up happening at the end. So, um, but yeah, that's just kind of where I am now and it's really paying off and it's really going great. So. Wow. What was Ed Reed like? He, so I expected him to be like, I mean, it's Ed Reed. You kind of like like, like, intense. intense. Yes. So he's very intense, but he's also like such a cool person. Like he's very, I mean, have you seen like his Instagram stories where he just like sits back and talks and like smokes a cigar? No. Oh my God. Okay. We need to follow him on Instagram now. <laughs> right? Like what, what have I been doing with my life? Why am I not following Ed Reed on Instagram? That's, what I'm like, right now. that's like literally how he's like. So um, yeah, it was very, very cool because when you, they always tell you like, don't meet your heroes. Like you always hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so I was kind of intimidated, I guess. Starstruck is another word I would use, but like he was just so cool that at like five minutes into it, I was like, okay, I'm not intimidated anymore i'm not starstruck anymore so so it's actually kind of funny because anytime you ask a guy in the sports world like about their career aspirations i feel like i always hear the same story of like i've wanted to be on the radio or on tv or talking about this sport since i was a little kid i used to practice for my stuffed animals i did it all the time and then when you ask women because my story is not exactly the same, but it's very similar where like my original career goal wasn't to be in sports. It was something that I like kind of fell into. And I feel like this is a a common theme among women is I wasn't actually pursuing sports, but then I found an avenue and I, and I took it. So at what point did you decide that you wanted to do sports and what like inspired you to pursue sports as a career? Um, who? I, I thought about this because you sent me the questions beforehand and I was like, I don't really have an answer for that. Um, I don't know. I just, I, it was something that I started doing. Like I would watch the games with my friends on Sundays and started a Twitter account and started tweeting about it. And I built, built up a following throughout the years and it just became something that I learned to be good at, I guess. <laughs> um, so I just kind of took it and ran with it. So you, so all of your content is available on your Patreon, correct? Yes. I, I also have um, a free site too. So I write some stuff there too. So it's, I've got some free content and then the Patreon is basically like a YouTube channel at this point. So that's pretty much the difference between the two. Yeah. That was going to be my, my follow-up question on that was what type of content do you offer and is it solely Ravens content or do you do uh, a big broader picture of the NFL? So I used to cover just the Ravens. I covered the Ravens for USA Today for a year. Um, what was it? About two years ago. And then um, now I do all 32 teams. So it's really, it's a lot of work. <laughs> but um, it's it's really, I like doing all the teams instead of just one. Good. What's your favorite part of your job? Oh, um doing things like this, like meeting cool people like this. Cause I'm, I'm my only coworker. So sometimes I get lonely <laughs> and like, I feel like I don't, I don't know. I don't have like that coworker to talk to about my job. So like doing this is fun for me. Like, obviously we haven't met in person, but this is like meeting you guys, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like going cool places, meeting cool people. Um, like I'm going to the Super Bowl this year. So that's really exciting. Aww. Um, is this your first year that you've been able to go and you're going as as media right yeah I'm going as myself like they wanted me to come as just me it's like kind of a big deal to me so that is oh a gosh. huge deal that is so exciting I haven't really announced it yet so I guess this is the announcement I don't want, <laughs> I, I don't want to like I, I feel like I'm bragging about it you know what I mean but I just you like, should bra- I would be bra- I would like be writing it everywhere that I could I would probably make burner accounts of me <laughs> just to announce that I'm going to the Super Bowl as me to cover sports. Like, that's a huge deal. Yeah. I'm so, also, like, I'm a little on the fence about going, too, because of COVID and everything like that. So I really, I don't know. I don't want to pass it up, but. Listen, all you have to do, wear the the, the fancy mask, the N95 ones, and put, oh, I tell everyone this, it flies, put Neosporin in your nose. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a real thing. My, my aunt, she's a retired nurse, and she, like, she has a, autoimmune disorder i don't know why i'm talking about this <laughs> she has one and she has to be very careful but she has a condo in florida too so she still flies pretty frequently and that's what she does she to keep her safe 
So if you have to fly, and you have to go to the Super Bowl. I know, I have to go. I can't, oh my gosh. gosh. But just I know. That. That's, yeah, that's a really exciting thing. Are you excited to see the Browns in the Super Bowl this year? <laughs> <laughs> I am. That actually would be really great. Oh, my God. Well, it, that's something that we've talked about on the podcast before, and because when the Cavaliers won uh, the NBA championship in 2016, like, literally the entire world was in downtown Cleveland. Like, it is insane mm -hmm. how many people showed up to that parade, and we were joking around about, like, well, what would happen in Cleveland if the Browns won a Super Bowl? And we're like, the city would, like, burn down from excitement. And we're like, of course, if the Browns were to win a Super Bowl, like, the first one ever – it would be in a year where we wouldn't be able to have a parade. Oh, no, for sure. That's <laughs> like that's just that's just the luck, right? I know, I know. Okay, so let's get into this portion of the interview because this is my favorite. Um, so, anyone who follows you knows two specific things about you right off the bat. So, you love Joe Flacco, number one. Like that's a given, and you might have the most toxic responses of anyone I have ever seen. And I wrote this down. That says a lot coming from me because my mentions have often been described as a toilet hell cesspool. <laughs> so what is it about you, you think, that drives people so crazy? I really don't know. I really don't. Like just today, like just before I started recording this, I had somebody tweet me and say that they were mad at me because I didn't congratulate Josh Allen on being player of the week. And then he also tagged Barbara Streisand in it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't make this up. Oh my God. People on Twitter get mad about the strangest things. I forget what it was. So uh, a few of my colleagues who are in Nashville, um, I forget how or why, but something, I guess there was like some TV deal. Cause we're having some of these issues here in Cleveland too, where networks are in, in fights with cable and, and TV providers. And so we're losing channels. So something like that had happened down in Nashville. And this was like two days ago. And someone was tweeting angrily about it and tagging every person they could. And I think like they tagged Dolly Parton in it. Like it was just, oh my gosh. It was, um, it was a work of art. Yeah. It's, it's very strange. I don't like, I don't, I don't sit, I don't open my computer every day and, and like, I'm going to make 500 people mad today. Like that's not my intention. And yet for some reason, everything I tweet, it always happens. Like I've tweeted things like, I'm making tacos for dinner and they're like, oh, you're in the kitchen again? Ha ha ha. And I'm like, <laughs> it's like, what, what is this getting you? <laughs> like, what, what, where, where are you trying to go with this? And it's, I, I don't know what it is. I think it's a mix of just men being jealous that they're not doing what I'm doing or I've yes. had girls be really mean to me before and like tell me that my Botox was bad and I'm like, I've never had it. So I don't know what you're talking about. I saw that. Oh my gosh. So like sometimes I get, I go down these rabbit holes and one night I went down a rabbit hole because of one of your tweets and this girl, she had tweeted at you about your fake lashes and your fake lips and your fake hair. And then I looked at her, her Twitter and it was all about, you know, she was a super liberal girl and, you know, real positive about, like, bringing people together. And I'm like, ma'am, ma'am, <laughs> what are you doing out here? See, see, that's that's the level one girl crush where she's angry because <laughs> she wants to be Lindsay. And so she instead of, like, reconciling her feelings, she's lashing out. That's, that's level wild. one. Like, she I've just... noted, obviously, like, I get it a lot with men. I'm, women, I don't really have a problem. They they don't really attack me that much. Um, it's usually just men. But it always, uh, it makes me sad when I see women do it to other women. Oh, same. You know, like, sure. just, we should be here trying to build each other up and help each other and, you know, bring us all along. And I see things like that. And I'm just like, man, that is so disappointing. Like, I, ex I expect men. To... It's definitely mostly men. Um, yes. But it's definitely, I think it's a, a mix of, like, misogyny and jealousy. Yes. Yeah, my, my theory, on, theory on that is that when you when it when it boils down like sports really aren't that complicated you know it's 
literally a game. So how would you learn a game? Well, you learn the rules. Players are an X factor. So you learn the rules of the game, you learn the players of the game, and then you have a basic understanding of sports. And then of course there's other things that come into it, like the, you know, things like the divisions, the salary caps, like there's so many moving parts for sure, but you just need to know the rules of football and the basic players just to have an understanding of sports. It's not that complicated. And I feel like men try to make it complicated as a gatekeeping tactic because they don't want women in like a space that they consider theirs. So then when women come in and demonstrate a better understanding of it than they do, they just get mad because their gatekeeping tactics don't work because they're like, oh, sports, they're complicated. You don't understand. It's like, well, yeah, we do. And we understand it a lot better than you do. Yeah. That's um, my whole theory on it. It's no, also a theory. lot of like the fan accounts that like attack me, like the ones with like the their favorite athlete as their profile picture and then their bio is like fan account eighteen from blah blah blah. I'm like, you're like you're eighteen. Like, <laughs> like I just feel bad for these people at this point. Like it's like it how bad fun. are they gonna feel when they grow up and like realize that that's the that's what they wasted their time doing. Right? Or the ones that are already grown. That's what gets yeah. me is the married men with families in, you know, children. Christian and mothers, they just like too. screw around on Twitter all the time and harass these these women on the internet. And it's like what how Go kiss how your little do you think of your life that this is how you want to spend your time? But I digress. They uh, have so, level so, one girl crushes too. Yes. <laughs> Something that people often tell me is don't pay attention to the trolls. Don't respond to them. Don't feed into them. Whatever. And I'm sure you get a lot of that too. So how does it make you feel when people say that to you? Um, people say that to me almost every day. And it's uh-huh. just like you – the people that say that do not know what it's like to right. to open your computer in, at 7 a.m. Because that's normally when I start working in the morning. To open your computer at 7 a.m. and see 10 people already pissed off at you. Yes. And for no reason. reason for no reason. reason. No, no reason. reason. And um, I don't know. It's like – like I said, like, you don't know what it's like, and if you're this triggered about something that I said about your football team, there's no way you could last a single day in my shoes with everything that these people are saying to me. Right. And that's one of the things, you know, I give you a lot of credit for because people often say, well, you know, she's so sensitive and she, you know, you need thick skin. If these men had to spend an hour dealing with things like that, they would eliminate themselves from the internet forever. Yeah, and I hear a lot, like, you can't take criticism. That's not criticism. Like, you just want to be able to publicly insult me on a forum where people can like it and you feel validated that somebody else hates the same person as you do. That's not me taking criticism. Yes. Thank you. Sorry, I just yelled. I didn't mean to. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so true, though. And one of the things I notice a lot, and I've noticed this on your Twitter, Lindsay, I've noticed it on Brittany's Twitter, um, you know, other women in sports, when they quote tweet, And I've done this too, when someone attacks me for no reason or has some unfounded reason, you quote tweet it and you call them out. And then, you know, within an hour, the tweet is deleted. Oh, yes. Every time, every time. And then they're like, oh, you sent the white knights out. No, like, we're just exposing you because that's like, if someone's not following you, then they're not going to see your hateful tweet. Really, the only person who's going to see it is the person you at mentioned. So then when it gets quote tweeted, then it gets blasted for all of our thousands of followers to see. And then you shrivel up in your hole and you go do it to somebody else. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then sometimes they'll just deactivate their Twitter altogether when that happens. Because it's real funny when they think they're just insulting you for you to privately see. It's not so funny when you have thousands of eyeballs on it. And then people start, you know, jumping in to defend. But one of the things I like to, to bring out, and I say this, uh, is that I'm... I'm not a public punching bag. Lindsay, you're not a public punching bag. Meredith, you're not a punching bag. Like, that's not... We didn't sign up for that duty. And nobody is. Like, nobody should feel like they can't just express themselves or share an opinion without being told to go fall in the lake. Like, this is... (laughs) Who who taught these people how to interact with other human beings? Right. Like, who raised you? Right. Um, So, question. Does your family ever look through your mentions? So... No. So my mom has a Twitter, but I blocked her because I don't want her to see. It's nothing against her. I just don't want her to see it. I mean, people talk about my brother on there. Like, it's already like, so my brother died a couple years ago. He died of a heroin overdose and people like to make fun of that. That's how low people are. 
Oh, and yeah. like for my mom to see that, like she's already never been right after that. Like I don't want her to see it, so I blocked her. Um, but my dad doesn't have it, thank God. But yeah. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, sorry, I didn't awful. mean to like bring it down, but um, yeah. no. But like I need people need to hear this because it's it's important. Like you can't just talk to people like this. It's it's, it's very know. terrible. And like like some days it's easier to just shrug off than others. Um, but like if you're having a bad day or you know, this, like, during the pandemic, like, it's hit me really hard when people say things like this. Like, everybody's already hurting, and, like, this is how you're choosing to deal with it. It's just very, it's very disheartening that people are just so content with talking to people this way. And that's the part that makes me the most upset. Not really what they're saying to me, but, like, you're just sitting back and you're okay with saying this to somebody that you don't even know. Yeah. Well, and I think the most annoying part about it all is that they tend to forget that there's a human behind the account and like here's the thing all three of us have our faces on our our twitter profiles like brie has her face on her twitter profile but the people who say these terrible things don't put faces and don't put names on their on their twitter account so it, it almost feels like because they think they're just anonymous in a, in a sense that they're attacking other people who are just you know a, a profile on on a website and that's not the case like we're, we're people mm-hmm. like there's an actual human behind these twitter accounts that are like receiving these hateful messages so i think that's sort of the part that is just so frustrating because i've always said and i say this at work too i was like if someone's going to troll like, and there was actually an, an episode on the newsroom about this and it turned out terribly, but I was like, if someone's going to troll, they need to like leave their name, their phone number, their address, yeah. their place of employment, and like their social security number and their mother's maiden name. Like sign, sign yes. your troll tweets. Yes. With all of your personal information. Because like, if you're, the, like <laughs> if you're brave enough to say that to someone, you should be brave enough to attach your name to it. Yes, Absolutely. Do you ever feel like just leaving social media altogether? Because there are times where, like, I will take breaks, like, little hiatuses. I do it probably, like, every three or four months where I'll just take a week off because I need to for my own sanity. Do you ever just feel like, is this worth it? Yeah. So the thing about my job is, like, a lot of my stuff is done through Twitter, so I can't really take – I usually – Tuesdays are, like, a slow NFL day for me, so I'll, like, try to take, you know – a half day that day or whatever. And then Saturdays, I normally don't tweet all day just because – that's my day off (laughs) during the season. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, I had this conversation with somebody the other day, um, an NFL player actually. And I said to him, I said, if I were younger or if I didn't work this hard to be here, then I would probably quit based upon like how mean people are. And like, I don't want to give them that gratification, but like, can you imagine like a 19 year old girl in college do like trying to do this and just having like hundreds of people just hate on you every single day like I think I would quit like thankfully like I'm older now and like I'm fairly confident in myself you know like I know I'm good at what I'm doing so I don't let people tear me down and like make myself believe it but if I was a young girl like how toxic that would be so I definitely think about it but um I'm never gonna give them that gratification good Brittany, I think you should take the next question too because I'm, I think I'm this is dying your, to. Yeah, this is your favorite question. I know, I know. So I was like, you got to take this one. We're gonna we're gonna uplift. We're gonna give you some uplifting questions now. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. So if Joe Flacco and Josh Rosen were trapped in a burning building and you could only save one, who are you saving? Oh, that would be so sad for me. I would not know who to choose. Um. So, I think I'd save Joe. Just there because you go. he's done a lot for me. And also because I think Josh Rosen is smart enough to find his own way out. <laughs> He'd probably have like a, a like a kiddie pool or something to like put some of the fire out. What is it about Josh Rosen that had you so intrigued? So he's just, I love like a good underdog story. And uh-huh. I mean, not that he was an underdog. He was like, a, you know, a first round pick, but um he he's never really been given a fair chance in the NFL, I don't think. And sure. he was one of those guys that was very opinionated and that was for some reason held against him. Um, 
But I think, like, if he were to get drafted this year with everything that's gone on this year and he was this opinionated, it wouldn't be held against him. Like, Joe Burrow, for example, was very outspoken about everything that went on and it was Mm -hmm. used in his favor. So I feel like that kind of hurt him. But, I mean, the kid saves the ocean in his free time and, like, he's being hated on and saying that he is a bad teammate. Like, I don't understand that at all. Um, I think he's a cool dude. I think he's been really humbled by what he's gone through. Mm -hmm. And I feel like at this point, if you're not rooting for the kid to do something (laughs) and perhaps be the starting quarterback of the Bucks next year or whenever Tom Brady decides to leave, then, you know, what are you doing? I hope he does. Oh, so he's in Tampa Bay now. Yeah, he's the he's on the practice squad, and he like chose to go there, which is good. He's not getting tossed around to different places with mm-hmm. people that don't really want him and are going to get are going to draft a quarterback the next year. Um, so he chose to go to Tampa. He chose to sit behind Brady, and apparently he's been with all the quarterback carousel running around this this year. He's been given offers to go to. I think the Broncos was one of them. Um, the bears might've even been one of them. Don't quote me on that. I don't know for sure, but, um, he's been given offers and he just is choosing to stay in one spot for once and is choosing to sit and learn. And I think that's really going to help him. So we'll, we'll get into the 2018 draft in a little bit. Cause I, we do have a few questions about that, but mm-hmm. I, for, for the Browns in 2018, they had the number one overall pick and this was probably the most quarterback rich draft in years. Like there were what five guys five quarterbacks taken in the first round like that is insane and four of the five were taken in the top 10 like it's just mind-blowing to think about it and so for for Browns fans and Browns media it was always you know well who who are the Browns going to take and it was just a constant analyzation of is that even a word constant analyzing of each quarterback and how they would fit in and I was I was a Josh Rosen fan like I low-key wanted John Dorsey to draft Josh Rosen. Like he was probably my favorite quarterback coming out of that 2018 draft. Um, I was not disappointed with Baker Mayfield the day of the draft. Like I was surprised because at the time everyone thought it was going to be Sam Darnold, but um, I was happy with the Baker Mayfield pick, but then, you know, Josh caught kind of mouthy on Twitter. What was it? He was like that four, like seven teams are going to regret or something like that. And I was like, Oh my God, he's so fiery. I love it. Like, I did. I thought the hot tub stunt in the dorm room was hysterical. Like, I, don't know. <laughs> I was I was a Josh Rosen fan, too. Um, you know, I was disappointed he didn't come to the Browns, but I'm not disappointed with who the Browns took. And you would think with all like the I don't want to say like bad quarterback, but there are a lot of like not great quarterbacks or at least teams that could use quarterbacks that somebody at this point would be like willing to give him a try. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. That's why I kind of think and this is just speculation that um, obviously Tom Brady's not going to be there forever, so mm-hmm. they can potentially use him. Maybe they have, maybe they've, t- you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudged him and said, you know, if you stay here, maybe now that he's in the system and everything, maybe he'll be able to, you know, be the starter there. I don't know. Wouldn't that be a happy ending? He gets to learn from Tom Brady and then he comes in and like takes revenge on the league. Yeah. I, I, I would love to see that. That'd be such a good, <laughs> that's, that is a Disney story right there. That is a Hallmark movie. Like, you, you, you know that Disney executives are out there trying to trademark Josh Rosen already, just in case this happens. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I've seen some interactions between you and Browns fans, and for the most part, they seem to be quite friendly. I've noticed that the fans who hate me the most are typically Browns fans. Would you say the same for you and Ravens fans? Oh, yeah. Ravens fans hate me. <laughs> when did that start? Oh God, like, when? I, like I said, like, I got, like, what, like I said it earlier in this podcast, like, I got my start tweeting about the Ravens. I covered the literal team for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got, like, a huge Ravens fan following. And I feel like it's not that people, now the Ravens fans think I hate the team, but it's, it's more <laughs> they don't understand the concept of me covering one team and then me covering 32 teams because if I sat here and picked the Ravens every week that's not doing my job correctly and I feel like they just don't understand that um and there's a a line between being like a fan and then being an objective fan like I can sit here and say that I had zero confidence in the Ravens against the Steelers zero And people ran with that and told me that I was a hater for about three days. And I'm like, 
please tell me where your confidence came from then because I'm not seeing it. So it's just like things like that. I I really just don't think they understand the concept. And um, a lot of them think that I hate Lamar Jackson because he took Joe Flacco's spot. And that's not true at all either. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I just think they make up these stories in their heads and do whatever. Like they search for like the negative things that I say about the Ravens Mm -hmm. and then refuse to acknowledge the positive things. And I feel like you're choosing to see what you want instead of the whole picture. So that's not a me problem. That's a you problem. Oh, that happened. Um, there's a group. So that our like main newspaper here in Cleveland is the plain dealer, cleveland.com. Mm-hmm. And they like in all of the, and they have like four or five different sports reporters that all tend to do Browns during the Brown season. And I forget which game it was. I think it was about a month ago. Uh, a lot of them picked the Browns to lose and the Browns won the game. I'm, I am like, that was this season. Yeah. 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 Like I'm trying, I am blanking on which team it was. If I had the Uh, schedule. Yes, that's exactly what it was. It was the Cowboys. So uh, almost everyone in, in that group of media members picked the Browns to lose. And after the Browns won, like Twitter just, attacked them was like photoshopping L's over their faces and all of this stuff and I'm just like I'm watching all of this happen from a you know from a half outside half inside perspective and I'm just like do they expect the media and people whose jobs are to do predictions to are they do they expect to predict 16 and 0 yeah for the browns every year like is that what you want because that's the thing is that if you predict 16 and 0 people are like you don't know what you're talking about you're just a homer but then when you look at games and say okay this is a game that the browns could potentially lose like and we'll get into our our ravens and steelers matchup or excuse me ravens and browns matchup in a minute but you know this is not going to be an easy game for the browns like this is a game that the browns could either conceivably win or lose but it's like if you predict the browns to lose and you have reasons for doing so people just attack for it and i don't understand like i'm like okay well i'll just pick the browns to go 16 and 0 every year why not yeah like i picked the ravens to go eight and eight last year um based on their total clunker performance in the playoffs the year before and Mm -hmm. based on them you know losing all of their defensive cap uh, defensive captains so I don't think that's a horrible prediction and yet no. literally still to this day I hear about it about how I picked the Ravens to go eight and eight two years ago that's crazy to me because during that time like the defense was literally being torn apart like they were starting all over and then you had Lamar jo- Lamar Jackson offense but you didn't quite know how it was going to play out you know what I mean like I remember that and I was like uh, I don't know if the Ravens are going to be as good as everyone, you know, anticipates just because it, it, on paper, it looked like it was a very questionable year going into it. Right. And it just ended up working out. And like, I'm glad it did. Yeah. But literally still to this day, I hear about that. Oh my God. Oh, that's so, so it's really exhausting. <laughs> oh, okay. So as a notorious Lamar Jackson fan, I remember watching the 2018 draft and thinking, please go anywhere but the Ravens. I stayed up all night and I remember him in his little green suit and he's sitting there with his mom and I was like, oh, please, please don't go to the Ravens. And then he did. Um, So how did you feel that night? What has it been like being a Ravens fan during this era? And do you think they've reached their peak or do you think it's still to come? Um, draft night, I didn't expect them to take him at all. Um, to be honest, I, but when they did, it was kind of like, of course I was like, oh man, they just drafted Joe Flacco's replacement and me died a little inside, just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but then again, like you have to think like Joe Flacco has been there for 10 years, like it's going to happen eventually. Um, so I talked myself off the ledge a little bit and, um, uh, I don't know. It's been it's been kind of like an experience, almost an out-of-body experience, because even, I mean, Joe Flacco is like my favorite player of all time, but even with him, the Ravens' offense has never been electric. They've never been, you know, it's always been the defense. So that's kind of, it's flipped, and it's like the Ravens are exciting, and, you know, they might not be winning in the playoffs, but, like, their regular seasons have been exciting, and um, 
I don't know. It's just, it's been, it's very weird to see it having been flip-flopped. Um, and then the last question, um, have they reached their peak? I don't know. So you could easily say that last year could have been their peak because Lamar Jackson had an MVP season. They went 14 and two. That's very hard to do. Um, that could be something that, you know, they might never do again. Lamar Jackson might not ever be MVP again. Um, so I don't know. I just feel like we're at the stage and, um, we'll get into this a little bit more once we talk about the games, but I feel like we've reached the stage where, it's possible that defenses have kind of not really figured him out, but have been able to pick on him a little bit to where he's not going to have that electric season again. Does that make sense? Yes. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I don't know if if they've reached their peak because their peak could easily be a Super Bowl win one day. But um, as for him being that player that nobody can figure out, I feel like that's come and gone. All right, so let's move on to the actual game. You know, this you know, this is why you're here. This is why we invited you because we are so excited to, you know, get your opinion and your thoughts on this Monday night football matchup. So, Cleveland Browns, 9 and 3. Still like it still feels very strange to say. Just the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns are 9 and 3. Uh they came off just an incredible win over the Titans on Sunday. They sit at second in the AFC North. Um, the Ravens, not as much. They're still over 500, seven and five. Uh, and this is going to be the third game in 12 days, uh, due to all the rescheduled games from, from COVID and everything else. Um, I think I saw that there were only three players left on the COVID reserve list. Is that correct? Um, I think so. I think Mark Andrews got activated today and Matt Judon got activated today. So those were kind of like the two big names that were still on it. So they're on they're on track to play definitely so going into monday night does it look like the ravens are going to be essentially at full strength when they face the browns pretty much yes pretty much as full strength as they can be that's 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 gonna make it that much more exciting do we think they're gonna be tired though after playing three games in 12 days it's possible i mean they've been through a lot (laughs) i mean i feel like i've been those games are those games are really hard on your body. Like I've yeah. never played football professionally, obviously, but like I played flag football with my friends and even like playing flag football for 15 minutes when I was like in my peak shape, it still like murdered me. Sure. So, like playing at the NFL level for 60 minutes, well, 60 playing minutes, like they're out on the field for three and a half hours. Like that's just, that is a lot. Like, Hockey, hockey and football, I think, are probably the most physically demanding sports out there. I don't know. Basketball. I hate basketball. Like, I've tried to play basketball, and, like, I just – I can't. Basketball's because, just like, a lot of running, going... though. You just yeah, have to, be, you have just... to have a lot of endurance. I don't. So, like, I just, I, like, <laughs> roll down one side, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm dead. Um, but, no, that I'm, I'm glad to know that, you know, hopefully the Ravens are finally at their end of their – their COVID bad luck and you know seeing those two teams at full strength it that's going to be an exciting game I think yeah so. let's just hope the Des Bryant thing yeah what is yeah so he didn't quit right no he's not gonna quit but okay. I mean let's just cross our fingers and hope that nothing yeah, was, in the next yeah, couple days the, comes out hugging his his teammates on the sidelines like if the Cowboys start to come up with positive tests and do you think do you think Des Bryant might get fined if the Cowboys start popping up with positive tests in the next week or so? I don't think so, because technically he didn't know he had it. So That's he, true. He yeah. had like an inconclusive test. So they do the tests in the mornings and they usually come back around like five-ish. Um, and then I guess his test came back inconclusive and then he was given one of those rapid tests. And that either... So I've heard two different things. I've heard that the rapid test came back inconclusive, but then Des Bryant said he said or he said that he had COVID so it's one of the two so my question is if his original test was inconclusive why was he still allowed to go warm up on the field with everybody right yeah that's that's a big issue there were people there were conspiracy theorists last night going off it's it's a it's a good conspiracy that Jerry Jones (laughs) paid to have that test be positive (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh now, I'm not God. saying anything. I'm just, don't kill the messenger, guys. But I love a good conspiracy theory. Okay, so I'm going to derail us for about 30 seconds, and then we can get back to mm. the, the football question. So my current, like, binge show, is it's called Revenge. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's about this girl whose father was framed for a terrorist attack, and mm-hmm. so she's, like, come back to exact revenge on the people who framed her father. And... Like, the whole show is just, like, rich people trying to tear each other down. And when I say rich, I mean, like, billionaire rich. Like, Jerry Jones rich. So, like, my mind immediately goes to those conspiracy theories. Because I'm, like, watching this dramatic (laughs) show of, like, what people with a lot of money can get accomplished. And I'm, like, it... You know what? Like, Jerry Jones, like, forging a COVID test is, like, child's play. Right? I mean, (laughs) it can happen. I've seen Stranger Things. Okay, so I've watched the last two Ravens games and a little bit of the game versus the Titans, too. I watched a little bit of that one. And even though I understand they've been missing a ton of players recently, they're kind of looking like a shell of the team they were early in the year. Uh, Yesterday, there were flashes of their former selves in the game. But for the most part, I think it's fair to say that their performance has been a bit underwhelming, at least in the past month or so. Uh, on the other hand, the Browns seem to be improving, specifically on offense. So when they played each other week one, the Ravens manhandled the Browns in a 38-6 victory. Since then, the Ravens have gone on to beat Houston, Washington, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Indy, and Dallas. They've lost to Kansas City, Pittsburgh twice, New England, and Tennessee. So both Pittsburgh losses were close. Tennessee and New England were within six. And Kansas City has been the only blowout. And I say blowout kind of loosely because it was like 14 points or whatever. And against Kansas City, like, that happens. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I said Baltimore will be the most complete team in football this year. And I, I firmly, like, stood that ground. It's looking like I might have been a little off. I know. Shocking. Uh, <laughs> so what has gone wrong with the Ravens this season that has made it so much different than last season? And can it be fixed? And we're talking about things other than COVID. Unless it's just COVID, it's, you know, what do you think? Um, I think it's a number of things. Um, I just think the main reason I think a lot of people just want someone to blame um, and they're never going to blame Lamar Jackson for it. He's their, you know, he's their golden boy. They're never going to say he does anything wrong. Anytime I say he has a bad throw, like you think I said the kid should be taken out back and shot like old yeller. Like that's what these people interpret that as. That as. Um But I think it's the main thing I think is that last season, all you heard about was nobody can stop Lamar Jackson. Nobody can figure him out. What's he going to do next? You know, so obviously your opponents for next year, that's at the top of every opponent's to-do list is to figure out how to stop Lamar Jackson, figure out what he's bad at, how to capitalize off of what he does wrong, you know. And, like, defenses get paid, too. Defensive coordinators get paid, too. So, like, that's what I think the biggest issue is. And I'm not saying, like, the entire league has figured him out or anything like that or that he's never going to be, quote-unquote, Lamar Jackson again. But it's just defenses are getting a bigger handle on him now that they have a full season. They're able to see what the Titans did in the playoffs against him last year. They're Mm -hmm. able to kind of replicate that, and they're able to – basically do their job against him because they weren't doing it last year. So um, I, and I mean, you could also throw in the coaching has, hasn't been as great as it was last year. You know, Lamar's weapons as wide receivers have been dropping balls left and right. Like you can say that too. Um, the, the defense hasn't been able to play a full 60 minute game all season, it seems like. So there are lots of different things, but I think the main reason is that, you know, defenses have just been able to stop him more than they did last year. So that's a great segue into the next question that I had for you. Um, because when Lamar was in the draft in 2018, there were a lot of people saying that Lamar Jackson should be a running back and that he would do better to enter the draft as a running back, not as a quarterback. And of course he said, absolutely not. Um, and obviously last year was kind of like his like middle finger to everyone who who said that. Because, I mean, he was MVP as quarterback. Like, he did such a great job. But now, you know, all of a sudden, it, there, there's such a stark difference between his performance this year and his performance from last year. So looking at the long term, do you think he would have been better off 
entering the draft as a running back or do you think that he made the right decision going in as a quarterback and do you think he can you know overcome this overwhelming feeling that the rest of the league has figured him out um I mean I think if he says he's a quarterback he's a quarterback like I'm not gonna sit here and say that I think he's a running back just because he's a great running quarterback doesn't mean he has to you know entirely change change positions I do think um, he does have to get better at throwing, which is the main job of a quarterback. But, I mean, if you look around the league, like, we see a lot of teams not really making the transition to a running quarterback, but they're incorporating different things. I mean, we saw it with Taysom Hill last week. Um, We see it with Mahomes. We see it with Russell Wilson. So I feel like if Lamar Jackson were to get drafted this year, like, I feel like he would have gone higher than he did two years ago or three years ago. Um, just because the league is kind of changing and evolving a little bit and uh, teams want that option. So, Yeah, I think when I was watching the game yesterday, I said I always, and it's not really in me to make fun of Lamar Jackson because I've always been such a fan of his, but there are times, you know, when I'm watching Ravens game and I'd like to fire off a tweet about a mistake he's made and I just know that I can't because, you know, like last night I was like, oh, it looks like Lamar, you know, can't throw anymore. And then he throws a dime into the end zone. Or, wow, he's looking kind of sluggish. And then he'll take off and run for 20 yards for a touchdown. And, like, this is just, like, a normal thing where you think, you know, Lamar is, people, they're figuring him out or he's losing a step or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, boom, there he is. And you're like, oh, okay, that's that's Lamar. But, yeah, like, I I don't know. I'm just a fan of Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> And that's Although I would that... like to fire off a tweet at least once about him. I know. That's another thing that Brittany gets hate for on Twitter is being a Lamar Jackson oh, yeah. fan. And it's like, it's it's okay to be a fan of a player that's not on your team. Like, it's tough <laughs> when it, I mean, you're you're like kind of a Baker Mayfield fan, aren't you? Yeah. Lady? Yeah. Okay. I think you and I should like switch Twitters for a day. Imagine <laughs> how much like more fans we would get from our own teams. <laughs> Well, no, because then they would still pick up, like, if if you had ever said anything negative about Baker, which, you know, you're entitled to because Baker's made mistakes. If, you know, Brittany, if you've said something negative about Baker 17 years ago, and then, you know, Lindsay's tweeting from your account, you know, people are going to pick up that tweet from... That is true. From 2007, when Twitter was first created, and Baker Mayfield was, like, in the first grade playing Xbox. (laughs) Okay, so what are some things that have to happen for the Ravens to beat the Browns on Monday? Um... So they really have to keep the offense going the way that they did against the Cowboys. So my biggest question with yesterday, it feels weird saying yesterday's game because it's Wednesday, but um, they, they really got the offense going, which has been their biggest problem, I think, since week four. Ever since the Chiefs game, the Ravens offense has been not great. I'll just put it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really need to keep that going. They need to build upon that. Um, They can't let themselves get cocky. Like, this is the thing that I hate about the Ravens the past couple of years, and that's what I think happened to them in the playoffs last year, is they got too cocky. They said, we got this in the bag, and and they did not. (laughs) The narrator comes in and says, you did not have it in the bag. (laughs) So um, that's what worries me about this stretch coming up, because all you hear now is the Ravens, all they have to do is run the table, all they have to do is win out and they have all these easy teams. Like they can't let that get in their head. So um, the defense on the defensive side of the ball, I feel like I mentioned it earlier, but the Ravens defense has not played a complete game this entire season. Um, they always start to get, you know, just sluggish in the fourth quarter and you cannot do that against the Browns. You absolutely cannot. So um, those are the two things I think that are the biggest things. Do you think the Ravens can stop Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? Ooh, that's a loaded question. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's one thing to stop one of them, but then there's the other one that's there. Yeah, and that's a problem that the Ravens have had all year, I feel like. Um, mm-hmm. And especially with, you know, guys coming off the COVID list, you're not really sure how sure. they're going to play. Um, I don't know. That's a hard question. I hope they can, but I'm kind of leaning towards no. so okay so i have another defensive question in in that same regard because it was very very obvious that the titans defense only schemed a rushing defense against the browns like they were stuffing the line of scrimmage on every single play like they were targeting 
Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, the way defenders were, you know, were, were double, triple, quadruple teaming OBJ towards the beginning of the year. Like it was very, very obvious Mm -hmm. what Mike Vrabel's plan was. And then Baker comes out and scores four touchdowns in the first half. Do you think that other teams, not just the Ravens, but possibly other teams are now looking at that and they're a little more scared of the Browns because you've got this incredible duo in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And then all of a sudden Baker has this passing game that he's been holding on to that the rest of the league just didn't realize that was there. And, and it's not just this passing game. It's the fact that he was able to spread the ball around so much on Sunday. Do you think that makes the Ravens, do you think that makes other teams kind of nervous for the Browns offense? I definitely think so. Um, I agree with everything you said. I feel like um, the thing with the Ravens is, again, with their cockiness, like they feel like they they know these teams. They feel like they know the Browns. They've already beat them in week one, but this is a different Browns team than they beat in week one. And I mean, it's I hate I hate that excuse that Ravens fans use where, oh, we beat them in week one. Like you beat them in week one with no preseason, with hardly an offseason program and with, you know, they just got thrown to the wolves with a new head coach. You know, it's hard. To, that's hard. Um, so I don't know. I think the fact that Baker's able to do that, I feel especially against the Ravens secondary, which hasn't been great this year. Marcus Peters has been borderline terrible. Um, so I feel like that's definitely something that they need to keep in mind. Do you want to hear something funny? Yes. So since, <laughs> since I, I work in sports talk radio here in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, we get a lot of callers. And I have heard this same argument multiple times and my jaw hits the floor every single time I hear it. But a lot of callers have been calling in thinking that the Ravens are an automatic win for the Browns because they say that the Ravens can't beat Baker Mayfield. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield is one in three against the like I just like and it's so funny because when we hear this I'll like look at my co-producer like across the studio and our jaws are just like what like Baker lost like the Browns lost the first game of the year against the Ravens so like there was a loss uh they split last year and I don't even remember what happened the year before that but it was just like like Baker had doesn't always beat the Ravens I just like I hear that and I think it's the like excuse my language I think it's the funniest shit I've ever heard (laughs) that's pretty wild i know i just like the like and it's always men that say this too like they're so delusional (laughs) i was like baker's one in three against the ravens where is this attitude coming from i don't know it's it's probably the same people that want us to predict 16 and 0 for our teams every year and it goes both ways too ravens fans are the same exact way (laughs) oh my god it's so funny oh Oh, man uh so what what would you say the the ravens greatest strength has has been this year and do you think the defense has been the biggest weakness or is has there been something else that has been kind of plaguing the ravens outside of the actual plague that we have going around (laughs) um i mean i feel like you can't talk about the ravens without lamar jackson even when he's not playing at his best he's still every single time more often than not put his puts his team in the position to win he he's made a lot of mistakes this year but you know, he always seems to kind of pick himself up and, you know, at least try, <laughs> which from some some other people on the team, like, I feel like they don't even try. The biggest weakness, I think, is the secondary. I expected a whole lot more from them this year. Um, and like I said, they're not terrible, but they just, they're so inconsistent. Um, coaching also has, I guess I wouldn't really call it the biggest weakness, but there's just, it's it's the inconsistencies that I feel like are the weaknesses. There have been so many dumb penalties on the Ravens this year. And I mean, like illegal formations and stuff, like there's no excuse for that stuff. If you're coached by a guy like John Harbaugh, like you should not be doing that. So I feel like that's just kind of where they've fallen off the biggest this year. No, for sure. Um, Would you, can, are you allowed? Cause like we're fans. Well, I'm a fan. Meredith, you're in the media. But, like, I can just make predictions for anything. <laughs> I make predictions all the time. Uh, are you allowed to do that? Can you? Would you? Would you care to? I'll do it. Yeah. Lindsay, this is why we love you. What would you, What would your prediction be for Monday night? Um. So do you want, like, a score? Or do you want to meet, like, who's going to win? Or 
yeah, just who's going to – who do you think – if your gut is telling you something right now, who do you, do you think is going to be the Browns or the Ravens who win? I'm going Cleveland. It's been wow. it's been something that I have – I mean, I looked at this game on the schedule, like, three weeks ago, and I was like, they're – you know. I just – yeah, it's just a feeling. Like, my biggest, my biggest ones comes from just a feeling. And I feel like – I'll explain myself. It's not that the Ravens are terrible. It's not sure, sure. that the Browns are the best team in the world because they're not. Sure, sure. But at this point, I feel like the Browns are the better team. I, like, I, I feel like they're playing for a lot more. They want it more. Um, they have more to prove than the Ravens do. Sure, sure. And that doesn't necessarily win you games. But if they play the cards right, they could easily win. If they plan for this game correctly, they could easily win. Um, I'm I'm worried about our defense though. Our defense, yeah. <laughs> our defense is strong. Well, but you also I mean, have I mean, to we... think. You also have to think. Like the Ravens' offense was on fire yesterday, but it, they uh-huh. played the Cowboys, and they yeah, have yeah. not been on fire since Week Three. True. I know. I think one of the things that's so nerve wracking uh, about the Browns this year is that in the past, well, we'll say like you know, 2016, 2017, it was one of those where the Everyone knew how bad the team. Well, actually, no. Nobody expected the team to go zero and sixteen. Like that was ridiculous. One in fifty, like or one in thirty-one in two years. Like it's crazy. But it's like every week was one of those. The Browns are probably gonna lose, but we're gonna hope that they win. And then this year was very nerve-wracking going into it because you know everything was different with with COVID. There was no preseason. Training camp is totally different. The way uh, the team's practices operate are different. Like the teams aren't going out and hanging out together. They're literally just around their own position groups and that's it. But the Browns have really shown something this year. And so I think one of the reasons why I get nervous before every game, because I want the Browns to win. Like I want them to win every game. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the part that makes me nervous because I'm looking at this game on Monday night and both outcomes make sense like if the Ravens win it makes sense but if the Browns win it makes sense so it's just one of those whoever is like whoever's got the hot hand on Monday night is going to be the team that wins yep it'll be fun though if they're both at full strength like I just think it's going to be a good game I I think it's going to be close I'm not going to say who I think is going to win because I don't even I don't have like that feeling yet I hope it's the Browns obviously but I don't know for sure and like it's it's just going to I hope that it comes down to like three points. Honestly, I don't want to blow out. I just want a really good game that I can cheer for till the very end. And I want to feel nervous because even la- remember Meredith last week, I just wasn't feeling nervous even when they were like, yeah. you know, inching their way back and making those little climb. I was just like, meh, I'm chilling. But I, I mean, you're feel pouring that yourself some again. drinks in the second half. You're like having a grand <laughs> old time. Whereas like my hair was on fire. Well, not literally, right. but like figuratively, no. my hair was on fire. I want to feel those nerves. I want to see Baker versus Lamar. And I just want them to go at it all night. That's my that's my hope. Battle of the 2018 draft class. That's right. My so, boys. So what are your overall impressions of the Browns and especially Kevin Stefanski this year? And do you think? that he has a chance to be coach of the year. I'm very impressed by the Browns this year. Um, obviously, you mentioned I'm a Baker Mayfield fan, but I, and I always mm-hmm. kind of felt like he, once he came in, I mean, there's, I've always, there's always been this stigma about the Browns quarterbacks. You know, 20 years of just quarterback after quarterback after quarterback, but then, like, Baker Mayfield comes in and it kind of feels like the culture changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And then he kind of fell off a little bit, and then people started to question, oh, he's going to be another one of those quarterbacks. But, like, this year, it's just, like, I mean, I'm very impressed. I did not expect the Browns to do this well. I've been very high on them for the past couple of years. Um, I've even said, I think I said maybe last year that they had a big chance to win the division. Um, But I, I, I don't know. I'm very impressed with how how they've run things. I'm very impressed with Kevin Stefanski. I had, I've been telling people all along, give Baker a chance with this dude, give him a chance. And it's really paid off. So. I wish you could see my smile right now. (laughs) (laughs) Cause it's not just us. There's other people out there too. Feel the same way. I know they're seeing it. Well, it's actually kind of funny that you say that, that about Baker, because there are a lot of people 
that are still saying like, oh, Baker's got to go. And we've talked sure. about it on the podcast. Like that's been, you know, it's it's a topic of discussion on, on Twitter, you know, on on people's like Zoom happy hours, because I would hope they're not going out to bars. But, you know, like that's a real legitimate topic of conversation. Like I'm not saying it's a legitimate topic because I think it's ridiculous, but that has been a a recurring topic of conversation all season is like Baker's not the guy they got to get rid of Baker and one of the things that all three of us on this podcast have said like who are you going to replace him with and and people are like mad that Baker is like what Baker did in the first half against the Tennessee Titans that's what people want for four quarters from Baker for for every single game and they say that that's the only way that he's going to earn his fifth year contract. That's the only way he's going to earn his extension. And to me that that is wild. That is so wild because it's because Baker Mayfield is not a bad quarterback. He's a very good quarterback. And it's just, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's crazy that Browns fans are just like, Oh, nope. Throw the whole team away. Let's like, let's start over. Like the Browns are like, even when the Browns were like seven and three, they're like, oh, no, throw the whole team away. Baker's not doing well because he had like an interception or something. Well, it's like, that's what they feel like they deserve. It's like yes, the yes. cycle of abuse. Like that's what yeah, they yeah. think they deserve. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Okay, so we have two more questions for you. I'm saving my favorite question for last. I can't wait. I can't believe I almost forgot to put it on the rundown, by the way. I was thinking about, I was taking a shower earlier. I was like, oh my God, I have to ask her about that. But we'll get to that in a second. First, we want you to rank the AFC quarterbacks. Okay. Ben's first, obviously. Um, Two and three, you could easily flip. I think you could flip Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. Based on, if you're, well... <laughs> I'm like talking myself. I'm talking this out with myself. Um, you could put Lamar at two based off of him being MVP, him going 14 and two last season, him obviously putting his team in the situation to win almost every week. But you could also put Baker Mayfield at two. If we're talking about just this year, I think Baker has been more consistent than Lamar has this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could flip the two. Right now, I'm I think I'm gonna sit Lamar at two, Baker at three, Joe Burrow at four. But that's not saying Joe Burrow's bad. Sure. I just think first we haven't really seen a lot of him. Um, I think he can definitely move up, um, especially at, once Ben's gone. He doesn't have too too much too much longer left. I feel like I paused during saying that because I felt like I was saying he's gonna die soon or something. <laughs> <laughs> He has. He doesn't have a lot of time left. <laughs> All right. Well, I will, okay. So I want to sneak in a quick question, AFC North question, uh, before we get to Brittany's favorite question that she's been dying to ask you. But so the the Browns fans get very toxic and bitter towards the rivals, which are obviously the Ravens and and the Steelers. Do Ravens fans kind of have that same dynamic? with like the Ravens and the Steelers? Like, is there that same like, oh my God, we hate you. We have to beat you that kind of dynamic. Or is it just like the Cleveland versus everyone mentality, which is why the Browns fans are like that with everyone. Um, A little bit of both. Um, Like with Ravens fans are still convinced that the Steelers aren't good. I'm like, they're 11 and one. Like the <laughs> fact that they lost a game this week, you, you would have thought the Ravens fan Ravens fans threw a parade or something the way they were celebrating. I'm oh, like, yeah, you're, at that point, I was like, you're six and five. You shouldn't be talking like this. <laughs> like, they lost one game. So it's kind of like that. Like, they'll try to tear them down for everything, which I get. They're your biggest rival. You obviously don't want them to win a single game. Like, I get it. But at the same time, like, you have to, like, they're the Steelers. You have to admit they're good. The reason the rivalry exists is because both teams are good. So I don't know. I really don't get that mentality, but... I used to play into it when I was younger, but, you know, I kind of grew up a little bit and realized that all these, all the teams in the NFL get paid. They all want to win. So. Yes. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, Lindsay, what is NSYNC's best album and song? Also, who is your favorite member? And do you know all the moves to Bye Bye Bye? Okay, first question. Best <laughs> best album or best song? Both. Okay, best album, No Strings Attached. Duh. Yes. yes. Best yes. song, um, 
So one of my favorite songs by them ever is Gone, but I think it's more like Justin. So um, that's not a bad thing. But I think their best song, my favorite song, is It's Gonna Be Me. Hmm. Interesting yes. choice. Interesting choice. I think I'd have to go This I Promise You. Oh, that's a good one, too. See, I can't pick a favorite. I don't know. Okay, so who was your favorite member? Justin, obviously. <gasps> I was a JC girl. Oh, I love JC. He has the best voice. Do you think that JC has Justin Timberlake envy? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because what was it? Doesn't. Yeah, well, because what? Well, what was it like two years ago or something? Justin did a. He like managed to get all the members in sync back together, and I just like I remember this. It actually it had to have been longer than two years because I think I was still living in DC at the time, and my roommate and I were watching, and like I just remember the both of us making fun of this, but. Justin Timberlake brings out the rest of his, his his old his old crew, the rest of the NSYNC guys, and then I guess like at the end of the song, JC rips out this vocal riff that looks like it definitely wasn't rehearsed or planned. And my roommate was like, "Oh my god, he's like, like yes, I know what you're talking about." <laughs> yes, thank you. Because <laughs> it was just like one of those. We were looking at that. We were looking at each other, and we're like, "Oh my god." That poor guy, like he wanted to be Justin. And Listen, in JC's defense, he did that in like every single song where he would just like scream this beautiful melody. It was, I mean, twelve-year-old me was so insanely in love with JC Chazé. Ugh. Also, he's like a he's like a DC guy. Yeah. yeah. He's from Bowie. Bowie. Oh my god, I remember exact. He was from Bowie, Maryland, uh, or Bo- Bowie, or whatever it's called. It, it, my parents he, live there. Do they know him? Can they hook me up? Possibly. I don't know. I don't know if his family still lives there. But, like, they're, uh, yeah, they used to live there. I don't know. I would I, I would probably consider Bowie closer to Baltimore than D.C., but it's, like, one of those weird cities where it could, like, either big city could claim it. Well, you know, we're going to go Baltimore. stalk him when we go down to visit Lindsay on okay. our road trip. Um, okay. Also, do you know all the moves to Bye Bye Bye? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you. I can do them right Thank now. You. Oh my god! I wish we were on video. We will make a TikTok of this. I'm g- Meredith. Will because I'm yeah. not. Are you I'm on good. TikTok? No. Okay. It's fun. I I <laughs> think we you. need to. I need to like we need to put that on your Patreon subscription. It's video oh, of you doing yes. a bye 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 dance. A, a class. I could do a master class. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, people are people are dying for their like at home fitness classes right now. Like you could turn it into. Like dance fitness. Yeah. And I know more than just Bye Bye Bye. I know like the whole, like, do you remember the Madison Square Garden concert? Oh my God. I have it on DVD. Oh my God. Me and my cousin literally all summer learned the entire thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we grew up in such a great time. I love them so much. All right. So that's all we have for you tonight, guys. Lindsay, it was such a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for joining us. You guys so much for having me. Of course. And everyone will be back next week with Breed. So we're hoping to celebrate a 10 in 3 Browns team. Uh, please remember to like, subscribe, write a review, whatever. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>